Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Unknown Mining Podcast. My name is Aaron Hanshi, and I'm your host. And I'm happy to be joined today by Sharon Alexander, the president of Sun Summit Minerals. Sun Summit is a junior mining company operating in central BC, exploring for gold, silver, and zinc. And Sharon's here today to talk to us a little bit about how she became president last year in 2021. Welcome to the podcast, Sharon. Hi, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. So before you were president of Sun Summit Minerals, you started out as a geologist there. But before that, you have a whole history, a whole career path that we don't know about. And as a young geologist who's really just joining the industry, um, this is something that I'm very curious about is like, how does one become the president of a junior mining corporation? That's a very good question. And I, this was not planned. Uh, it's just something that happened, which I think happens a lot in your career. Uh, and so, yeah, a lot of things happened to bring me to this point, and I'm very happy to be here. But yeah, just starting off, so you're correct, I'm a geologist, so I got my master's, uh, my bachelor's and my master's of science in geology. I got that out east in Ontario, and I worked as a field geologist for a few years. Um, I started out in uh, Kimberlites in Ontario. After I got my master's, I started working in uh, Kimberlite exploration uh, I worked up at a caddy diamond mine that was with SRK Consulting, and I did some work on a rock mechanics program. So uh, they were opening their, their uh, new pit at the time, and we were doing a geotechnical study. After that, I moved to Australia, and I worked for Barrick at one of their gold mines. And it was at that point that I kind of fell out of love with the field. So up until that point, I was working remote locations or fly in fly out scenarios and I just felt that I needed some a break from that I wanted to kind of change my career trajectory so I got a job with a junior company in Perth Australia and I did GIS and database management and so that's uh, really began kind of I guess my second career um, in the office and so I did that for a few years working uh, in Perth and then also I moved back to Vancouver and I worked for a few different companies, for example, B2 Gold. I was there for a few years doing GIS and mapping and database administration. And eventually I worked for a company on Vancouver Island who did maps and, and data management for uh, the environmental sector. So a lot of government work, a lot of uh, really interesting projects that as a geologist, I didn't have exposure to. Um, but I learned a lot about uh, the environmental side, uh, regulation, uh, you know, wildlife tracking and things like that. And it, just through word of mouth. And I think that's how a lot of people get jobs in, in the mining industries, just through people you know. Uh, it turns out Bob Willis, the CEO of what was then San Marco Resources, was looking for someone to do GIS and mapping. And uh, he had a USB stick full of information uh, you know, spreadsheets and reports of this buck project, which they just optioned. And so he was looking for someone to sort through the data and someone passed my name along and I started working with them and just, it happened organically. I, I started taking on more and more responsibility. I started getting uh, into the corporate side of things, planning, um, you know, investor relations, marketing. And then, so uh, you're correct at the end of 2021, I got appointed president, which was great for me, but it, it was not, my, my career path wasn't really linear, which I think is quite 
common in this industry. Uh, I certainly didn't set out to be an executive of a junior mining company. I never thought I would be in this place, but I am so excited to have the opportunity to try different things. And yeah, it's, it's scary and the, the unknown is scary, but you know, I just jumped in with both feet and I've learned so much and I can't wait to see where this, uh, where this role takes me. Yeah. Well, first I should say congratulations on, on being appointed president of Sun Summit Minerals. Um, and second, I want to just talk about this non-linear career path. I mean, you went from Ontario to Australia to, to Vancouver to Victoria, but at the same time, you worked as a consultant for a junior mining company, consultant for a, one of the biggest mining companies in the world. Uh, you got out of the field, you got into to computer science and geospatial uh, information. You've actually had a plethora of experiences that that so many students or up and coming geologists like don't even don't even think about and don't even realize are options. I mean, sometimes as a as a student, it seems like the majors are the only the only companies out there if you don't have the network and the and the context. So one question that I guess I would pose to you then is how important was the basis? Like let's start at the beginning, this basis of your career, this field experience working for both a consulting company, working for BHP, how did that shape the rest of your career? I would say given the roles that I had subsequent to that, it was very pivotal. Um, getting into GIS and, and data management, uh, there's a lot of people that do graduate with GIS diplomas or have experience in mapping, but they come maybe from an architectural background or they don't have the geological background. And so a lot of my roles, I was a GIS geologist. So it almost required me to have knowledge about uh, drill holes and, and, you know, all the problems associated with exploration, you know, the, the data validation and just making sure that you know what some of these things you're plotting are. And so that allows you to make better map and data products. So in for uh, what I was doing for GIS and mapping, having that field experience was, was definitely important. Uh, having that experience, it allowed me to put things into perspective and really learn more about myself and what I wanted. Like, for example, I decided I didn't want to continue in the field. Uh, some people do make that decision. I think that's more common now that, uh, than it used to be, for example, but putting your own mental health first and uh, making some choices and setting some boundaries, I think is, is important for your happiness. Yeah, that's a big that's a big thing today uh, in, in today's geoscience landscape is this idea that not every geologist needs to be in the field. We have technologies and an abundance of data that mean we actually need geologists with good experience and really technical skills to be at home in the lab working at a desk behind a computer screen because this is very valuable information that actually supplements field work. But it's actually something that that I'm actually coming from the opposite trajectory. So I'm a, effectively a career student at this point, where I, I also have a nonlinear trajectory where I started in journalism and then moved into geology and sort of never looked back. But from the academic side, I found myself stuck behind the computer screen. So I'm curious then what drove this switch? I think I can understand some of it, but this, this transition from the field to the office, how did you find that? at first and how do you find that now? Yeah, I think it's very common for students graduating from geology programs uh, for them not to want to spend the time in the field. 
for a variety of reasons that, you know, being away from home very long in a remote location, there's not, you know, the, the internet and you don't get a day off. It's continual work, pretty difficult, or even just the atmosphere of camp. Uh, maybe it's not really a safe environment or they don't really feel uh, you know, that they fit in. So there's a variety of reasons why they choose not to go into the field. Personally, I think it's incredibly important to get your field experience. However, you're right, it's not for everybody. Um, there's a lot of people who are, are students and academics, as you mentioned, and that is incredibly important. And so, for example, as a president, what I'm looking for is a team of people who all their different skills together makes a great combination. So if I have a field geologist who is really keen to go in the field, but they don't have, uh, you know, for example, a really strong knowledge of, you know, geochemistry or something, uh, we can bring on someone who maybe has a PhD or more experience in, in that, that aspect, and that'll build the team. And so together, we have a, a complete skill set that you don't necessarily need to get with one person. Some people know what they want to do, and they have a very clear <laughs> path that they want to take. I was not, uh, I was not like that, but I think, you know, that builds character. Uh, in terms of a team that I'd like to work with, and I, and I, and I think we have at Sun Summit, I think it's incredibly important to have a varied team. And I think we do have that. So for example, uh, we have a technical advisor, Christopher Leslie, who has a really strong understanding of the area and uh, similar deposits. He has a PhD. I mean, basically as a president, I want to hire people who are smarter than me. That's always a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't need to make all the decisions. That's not what my role is. Another uh, group we brought on is Equity Exploration, uh, which has a very good reputation in Vancouver, and they have some excellent people, both technically in the field, as well as, uh, you know, computer modeling and, and data administration and things like that, which is, you know, my, my love, uh, GIS and, and data. And as well, we have people who help on the investor relations side, on the marketing side, we brought in different teams. And so, you know, I, th I think it's very important for a company to have a well-rounded team who can really showcase each person's skills. And instead of focusing on people's, you know, negatives or, or what they're lacking, it was to kind of build up your strengths and together you can form a really robust team that works together well. Yeah, I like the idea of, of identifying strengths and then partnering those strengths with, with you know, complementary skill sets. One of the things that I hear when you talk about team building that becomes readily apparent to me is that the people with diverse backgrounds, such as yourself, other members of the, the Sun Summit board with technical experience, then have a better understanding of what those, those people with maybe like this geochemistry PhD or, or however you can evaluate better the things that they're telling you and you can make better decisions collectively. Yeah, I think in terms of my diverse background, for example, a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago, I started out of curiosity, just getting into website creation through WordPress. Uh, I don't know how many times and how many different companies I have used that, not expecting to have it you know, become something that would be useful in a work environment. Uh, there's so many things that I've done or learned uh, in the past that with this non-linear path, I mean, it just kind of popped up or things that have interested me or I ended up having a really crappy job, but, you know, I learned a lot. And so you can always apply different aspects of previous jobs into new jobs and you never know 
where that's going to pop up and where you're going to use these things again. And I agree, it, it forms more of a diverse skill set, which makes you uh, more employable and able to problem solve. Yeah, that's actually really an interesting point, as I also have dabbled in sort of the web development side and particularly using it for volunteering. Uh, one of the things that you've done in your career is that you volunteered your web design skills for International Women in Mining, which is an organization that globally promotes women in all aspects of the mining industry, not just geologists, but, but also operators, office staff, etc. What role do you think your diverse skill set has played when it comes to volunteering your services, and how has that helped you also uh, navigate through your career path? I think um, in terms of volunteering, I think uh, giving back to the community is very important, especially when it comes to mentoring as well. And that's something I've done in the past, um, particularly because I don't feel that I had mentors when I was in university. I kind of came out of university very naive and not really knowing what the industry was like. And I think if I had some, some role models or mentors, specifically women uh, mentors, I would have been better prepared and maybe my career would have been easier for me. And so I think it's very important, uh, you know, regardless of gender, that mentors are very important. And so, you know, even things like this, just talking about your career and highlighting how someone who is not planning to become president could become president of a company. I mean, if that gives someone an idea for what they'd like to do with their career or in their life or provides them with some guidance or something, I, I think that's great. And, and so I think volunteer work in general is very important because I've been, a, I've been a trailblazer in some of my jobs, which I never wanted to be. And so if I could make this easier for people coming up and graduating recently, then I think it, that that would be something good to have a kind of a clear uh, advice and, and how to go forward. Yeah, Sharon. Actually, it's interesting. It reminds me of one, uh, some old quote. I don't know if it's a quote or I'm paraphrasing, but they say that the best leaders are those who didn't set out to be leaders in the first place. And when it comes to looking for women in the mining industry who are leaders, unfortunately, over the past decades, there haven't been so many. There's been a few. And I think one thing that I've heard a lot of is that everyone says, I wish I had a mentor. I wish somebody had shown me that I could do this from the beginning. And, and that's why it's very important. That's why I'm happy to have you on here just to talk about your career, to talk about what steps you've taken to, to get to where you are. And the fact that you've made a lot of your decisions on your own, stepping out, being a trailblazer, as you said, is really inspirational, not just to me, but also probably to a lot of uh, young women who are embarking in a career path that maybe isn't as friendly as they think. Mining industry is notoriously male rich, and that's not only in industry, it's also in academia when it comes to earth science. There's a lot of, uh, we can call it bro culture uh, when it comes to the, the field camps and things. And yeah, yeah. I think in, in terms of in terms of representation, I think having people see people that look like them and talk like them and, and whatever in leadership roles really helps uh, create this diversity that, yes, I agree in mining, it's kind of an old boys club. However, that is rapidly changing. If you look at the amount of women uh, leaders, women on boards, I mean, it's a night and day difference from when I started. And I think it's only going to go 
farther. Not to say that everyone should have a woman on their board to tick that, you know, token woman box, you know. Obviously, if there is a woman in a leadership role in mining, it probably took a lot for her to get there. So she's probably not going to be silent. <laughs> she's going to work hard and uh, try to see these uh, some of these changes made in the industry for the better. Good. This industry needs to change for the better. And it's hap I'm happy to see that it's becoming less and less of an old boys club and that we can get a little bit more diversity, both gender and racial diversity in, in mining. Sharon, as we begin to wrap up this, uh, this little podcast interview, I wanted to ask you, as a young geologist myself, and hopefully for yeah, young geologist listeners out there, what is something that young professionals can do in order to advance their career, to take a career path that maybe is never going to be similar to yours, but maybe ends up in a similar place towards the top of a, of a company? Not quite the top, but uh, definitely on the trajectory. Um, advice would be to network and get to know people. That's extremely important in our industry, even during COVID. You know, we tried in, on Zoom and virtual events and things like that. It was just not the same. Nothing can replace kind of in-person meetings, getting to know people, uh, getting to know everyone's stories. Uh, it really is that kind of industry. However, not to say that that's the only way uh, to get in. I would say get involved in different groups of so volunteer. That would be great. So there's uh, AMEBC. Uh, there's, you know, women in mining, and there's a bunch of other groups, both provincially and federally. Just try different things. Try uh, new things, even if you're not sure if you're going to like them. You know, uh, take those roles that maybe you're not sure if you're qualified for, or you're not sure if you want. I mean, you don't know until you try. And if it doesn't work out, then you move on and, and lesson learned. And there's nothing, there's no, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not a failure. You've, you're just learning more about yourself. So there's so much in this industry to offer. There's so many different routes and aspects and, and roles you can take and just talk to people. If you want a mentor, ask someone if they'd like to go for coffee and talk about, you know, uh, potential career paths or, or how they got to where they are today, you know, pick out someone that you admire and yeah, ask them out for a coffee or beer and just have them tell their story. Uh, there's so many people with really interesting backstories. Uh, so yeah, let's just get talking. Sometimes that seems to be the hardest part, but I agree with you completely. If we can just get talking, and it can be intimidating to approach a professional that you admire that you don't know very well, but an email, a phone call, a LinkedIn message, they can go a long way to starting an in-person conversation. Like the one I'm having here today with you, you're somebody that the more I've got to know you and your story, the more that I can say that I admire as a, as a geologist, as a as a scientist and as a professional. Uh, in terms of the volunteering, the Zoom meetings, um, there's a lot you can do. There's a lot of organizations that you can reach out to, like Sharon said, whether it's if you're a student to join your local SCG or SGA student chapter, these are great resources to get connected to the industry. Again, your local state or province, depending where you're located, probably has a scientific society or a mining society, a geologist, geologist organization uh, and this is something to look at sharon we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here and i want to say thank you for being on the podcast if you have any any last messages for our listeners out there no just uh good luck uh have courage just jump in jump in with both feet 
it, you're not going to advance unless you take a risk and there's no such thing as failure it's just learning yeah i can just second that the whole way so thanks again to all our listeners for tuning in to the unknown mining podcast and until next week keep on exploring the unknown <laughs>